I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into Hog Hoops Live. I am your host, Curtis Wilgerson. You can find me over at hogsports.com with Trey Biddy, Danny West, and Andrew Ellis. Woo, Arkansas barely sneaks by UNC Greensboro last night. Another player is injured. Really big game coming this weekend against Oklahoma. The Hogs are back in the top 10. The net rankings are favorite things in the world are back. The SEC is looking like a loaded conference. We're going to dive into all of that and get to your questions and comments as always. Should be a really fun show today. Let's get started. All right, everybody, you know all the places to watch and listen at this point, right? Be sure to throw us a like, a thumbs up, five-star review. Those things really do help a ton in helping us expand our reach, and we definitely do appreciate that. Uh, I do want to fill you in quickly on our latest promo over at Hogsports before we get rolling. Not only is it a good offer, it's a unique one. Hogsports is 50% off right now for an annual VIP membership, and Paramount Plus is free with your subscription. So everything we have to offer, whether it be our VIP content and analysis, recruiting coverage, uh, the Razor's Edge message board, all those things is 50% off for the entire year. And you get commercial free Paramount Plus. That's a that's a $100 value for free. So Trey loves to do the math on all these things, but it really is impressive. You get $207.39 worth of services for just $53.70. And you get to keep Paramount Plus for free as long as you're subscribed at Hog Sports. Pretty good deal. Also, our monthly subscribers right now can upgrade to the annual for 50% off and get this deal. So, uh, really good stuff there. No promo code required. Just jump over to hogsports.com. You'll see the story on the front page there. Click, follow the instructions. You're good to go. All right. The sales pitch is done. But you should take advantage. Let's talk some hoops. Uh, Arkansas and, and UNC Greensboro last night in Bud Walton Arena. <laughs> I mean, nothing ever really goes according to plan, does it? Maybe some of us were guilty a little bit of, of overanalyzing how good Arkansas looked over the weekend against San Jose State. Myself included, for sure. If, if you tuned into the live reaction, you know I was a little fired up about that. Uh, at the risk of doing that again, I'll start by saying... You know, sometimes you just you just don't have it, and you've got to grind one out, find a way to win a game. Arkansas did that, but they were also dangerously close, and and quite frankly, probably should have taken what would have been the worst loss of the Eric Musselman era, and one of the worst losses in Bud Walton Arena history. I'm just saying. You know, the Hogs trailed for 29 minutes of that game against UNC Greensboro last night. Uh, didn't really play particularly well on either end of the floor. Uh, but hey, you know, they dug their heels in down the stretch, survived the scare. 65-58 uh, to 58 win. So it's kind of the classic, you know, uh, well, a win is a win. That applies here. Although they paid for it a little bit in the metrics. I'm trying really, really hard. Maybe this is going to be my New Year's resolution. I'm going to try... Uh, to analyze things on a game-by-game -game basis without overreacting too much. I don't know if I'm capable of doing it. I'm going to try my best, though. Uh, but we're going to talk about this game, obviously. You know, whatever. It, it was ugly. Arkansas found a way. I thought they did look really poised down the stretch. Eric Musselman talked about that. Uh, a good sign from a young team. Whatever. Learn from it. Be better moving forward. Uh, but still some, some uncharacteristic things that we saw. I'll start with the defense because Arkansas has been solid there uh, all season. 
know, the Hogs were allowing five made three-pointers per game coming in. UNC Greensboro hit nine. Not a great percentage. Were they nine of 28? I think it's about 32%. But, you know, still almost double the average. Arkansas was turning teams over nearly 20 times per game on average coming in. Only turned the Spartans over nine times. That kind of surprised me. I didn't think the Hogs really did a great job in particular of keeping their man in front defensively. And some of that's by design. Arkansas really likes to influence the ball handler uh, one way or the other. But you have to arc the dribble. You got to make him take an angle. You can't just open up your feet and your body and give him a straight line path to the basket. I think Arkansas falls victim to that sometimes. Nick is a good defender, but he's, he's offender A with, with that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, when they when they get their feet set a little bit better and arc the guy instead of opening up, that on-ball defense improves. But, you know, it, it has been a kind of a consistent issue over the last few games that I've noticed. Uh, ball screen defense, eh, not good. Work in progress. You know, I, I think they just need to start switching these screens when they can. Uh, they're so athletic and long that I think that's something you can not only get away with, but but kind of thrive in. Uh, man, they're just not getting the quality hedges or shows consistently from the big men on those. The guards are getting popped on the screens or, or getting caught going underneath. Uh, you know, the talent and the athleticism is there. Uh, the communication and, and the execution maybe is a little bit off. And, and it wasn't just a last night problem, but it, it did show last night. It's interesting because there were some glaring issues, and, and Muss even said after the game he felt like maybe they took a step back, um, you know, offensively and defensively. But you know, Arkansas really protected the rim at a high level. They blocked nine shots. They did a good job of defending without fouling. Only eleven free throw attempts for UNC Greensboro. They only allowed twelve made baskets inside the arc. That, that's, I mean, it's pretty good. So you know, probably a C level game defensively for Arkansas, um, and they allow 58 points and, and hold their opponent to 31.3% shooting. So, uh, hey, you take that, right? Uh, but I do think that what last night showed us is in games where Arkansas is not as uh, disruptive as they usually are in terms of creating turnovers, that they do need to be a lot more solid uh, and connected with their half-court defense. And they will be, still early in the season. <clears throat> offensively, it was kind of a mess from, from start to finish, to be honest. You know, Arkansas got, uh, you know, a, a Nick Smith to Makai Mitchell lob was the first bucket. Uh, you know, Nick had two, I, I thought, nice runners, you know, inside the arc, short range. Uh, the last one came with about 15 minutes to go in the first half. Arkansas was stuck on six points in this game until Devo hit a jumper at the 638 mark of the half. So that's more than eight minutes without scoring a single point on UNC Greensboro. That ain't going to get it done, man. You know, Arkansas got down by a dozen in that game. You know, it, it kind of felt like they were on the ropes a little bit, but I, I thought Anthony Black did a really great job uh, of giving a late spark for Arkansas, playing through foul trouble. He was playing with two fouls uh, in the first half, but he had a couple buckets, had another really nice dime to Makai. I feel like he sparked things the last couple minutes of the first half. Arkansas goes into the half down by five instead of, you know, 10, 15 points. Offensively, the second half, it wasn't that much better, honestly, from the field. I think the difference was Arkansas was a lot more aggressive and assertive, especially Nick Smith. You know, he looked like a man possessed. He just looked like a guy that wasn't going to let Arkansas lose that game. Ultra aggressive. Uh, you know, Arkansas got to the free throw line, and this was the difference in the game. They got to the free throw line 27 times in the second half. They made 23 of them. Uh, UNC Greensboro, I talked about Arkansas defending without fouling. They only had four free throws. In the second half. That's why you won the game. That was the difference in this one. And again, whatever, you got to find a way if you don't have your A game uh, to pull these things out and, and avoid the upset. And Arkansas did that. 33.3% uh, from the field for the Razorbacks, just three of 18 from three point range, nine assists to 12 turnovers. You know, looking at the box score here, it, it was just kind of a clunker, but 26 of 33 at the charity stripe. There you go. You take it. Nick Smith goes for 22 points, game high. 16 of those came in that second half. We talked about how aggressive he was. Uh, 9 of 11 at the free throw line. All those came after halftime. I really liked how assertive he was at getting downhill. 
you want to talk about how healthy is he? You know, is, is he is he 100% back to his, you know, full explosion and, and things like that? Um, I, I think seeing him really aggressive and attacking the paint and not shying away from contact uh, is a good sign that he's definitely trending towards that direction. He had a huge steal, and, and he took it coast-to-coast in transition, turned it into a three-point play with 130 left. That uh, I think that took Arkansas from, you know, uh, being up three or four to being up by seven. Uh, and that kind of gave you that separation because Arkansas never really put together that run. You know, we've, we've seen some of these teams hang around with the Razorbacks in the past. And we talk so much about their spurt ability. They'll put a 12-0 run on you, a 14-2 run on you, uh, and then it's over. Man, they just couldn't get the shots to fall. They were rolling out on them. Uh, a lot of whistles. We talked about how many free throws were shots. They couldn't really ever find a rhythm offensively. So Arkansas really, really, really had to grind this thing out. They were never able to fully pull away. I thought Makai Mitchell was a game changer for Arkansas. You know, 13 points, 14 rebounds, four blocked shots. He really controlled the paint on both ends of the floor. What a pleasant surprise he's been. Uh, you know, I, I thought when, when Arkansas signed the Mitchell Twins, some people were iffy about it. I feel like those two guys could really help Arkansas as, as role players. But, man, Makai has really blossomed. I mean, he looks like a bona fide SEC starter uh, to me, I'm really anxious to see how he looks playing against some some greater competition. This weekend will be a really good test for him. But well, he's versatile. He moves his feet well. He's 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 a strong guy uh, in the paint. 14 rebounds. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, interestingly, all 14 of them were defensive. So maybe he could be a little more aggressive on the offensive boards. I think Arkansas as a team uh, could really benefit from that. But still, I, I thought a really impressive game from Makai. Anthony Black was solid. Uh, you know, he had 11 points, knocked down two of Arkansas's three three-pointers on the night. He was super active defensively early on. I mean, the dude was getting his hands on everything. Everything. He's such an instinctive defender. Some people want him to be, you know, a little bit more aggressive, hunting his shot, even even though Nick is back. Um, you know, he had eight attempts from the field, and, and I think for a guy like A.B., eight to ten shot attempts per game is probably about right for him. That's what I think personally. I mean, with, with what he brings to the table elsewhere as a rebounder, uh, a distributor, initiator of the offense, a defender. I'm not hurt by, by the number of shots he took. I, I thought that was okay. Ricky Council, uh, you know, it's kind of the first time we've really seen him struggle, I, I think. You know, he had scored at least 15 points in Arkansas's first eight games. He had eight on Tuesday. Uh, scoreless in the first half for the first time all season. He made one shot from the field, one of seven. Now, he did convert some some clutch free throws down the stretch, and, and that's that's something that he's done throughout the course of his career. That's good. Uh you know, I'll say Ricky is, is probably one, though, worth keeping an eye on here in the immediate future. You know, he really established himself as kind of the alpha scorer, the go-to guy in the first month of the season. And whether we want to admit it or not, there's a real adjustment for him with another alpha like Nick returning to the lineup. That doesn't mean there's any animosity there or anything like that. I don't think that's the case at all. Um, but there's only so many shots to go around, so you have to kind of figure that out. You know, Council was averaging 15 shots per game, uh, and he's taken 13 total in the last two games combined. So, you know, Nick is going to get his shot up, shots up, as he should, but in my opinion, uh, that should not come at the expense of Council sacrificing looks. Maybe some other guys, but I don't think it needs to be Ricky Council. So it's just going to take a while for them to figure out that part of the dynamic. I think it's going to be something that's really interesting to watch because uh, both of those guys... I think need and deserve to have the ball in their hands with the opportunities to create. And you want to be able to do that organically throughout the flow of the offense and not make it look forced. Like one possession, Nick's comes down and, and he's working. He makes a play. Everybody clears out and gets out of the way. All right. He's had a couple shots in a row. Let's get, let's get Ricky the ball and let him do it. No, you don't want that. You just want to have flow and rhythm offensively. So it's going to be some trial and error. And that was kind of the downside of, of, you know, Nick being out while he was. Uh, you know, it's not like bringing him back is a bad thing at all. It's, it's great. He's, he's going to be one of the best players in the country here. But it does really change the dynamic. And, you know, what, what you had built throughout the course of the preseason uh, kind of gets wiped out once you play six regular season games and, and you kind of start to figure out who you are 
then you add this dynamic back to it and it's almost like pushing the reset button and starting over. I mean, it's a good problem to have. Like I said, Nick is incredible and these other guys have emerged in his absence. Well, now you got to bring it all together. And I think that's a little bit of what we saw last night. And again, it comes at the risk of overreacting. You know, it was the same guys out there against San Jose State. They scored 99 points. They, they shot over 60% from the field and from three. They look like the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and then it was, you know, it was clunky and funky last night. It, so the answer probably lies somewhere in between. And I, I posted this on our board earlier, but I, I think the key is going to be consistency, right? And that's what you see with young teams. Great one night off the next. You want to find that consistent level of, of high caliber play. And it's going to take a little bit of time. We knew that. Uh, the process has changed a little bit because of injuries and, and so on and so forth, but worth keeping an eye on. <clears throat> Devo, <laughs> woo, buddy. You know, he had a double-double in this game, 10 points and, and 10 boards. But it was a triple-double if you, if you count the 10 missed shots that went along with it on, on his 3 of 13 night from the field. You know, Devo, he plays so hard. His energy is infectious. He, you know, he made some big defensive plays. He's diving all over the place for loose balls. Uh, you know, he's playing out of position as a power forward there for stretches. I mean, there was really a lot to like about what he did. He's, he's just such a damn wild card. <laughs> and I love Devo, but you know, the, the shot selection wasn't great last night. Uh, he's shooting 13% now from three on the season. Uh, some decision-making things there. You know, did Arkansas need the flashy... You know, behind the legs, bounce pass to Kamani behind him in transition when, when you got guys on either side of you open on the wing. I don't know about that. You know, was it the right call to, uh, you know, force it when you don't have numbers in transition and, and run into a charge? Uh, you know, it's just a little bit of up and down right now. Make a jumper, have back-to-back -back turnovers. Uh, you know, make a good play, get to the rim, finish with that left that you love to see, and, and then pull up kind of an ill-advised transition three. So, uh, there's some give or take there, right? And, you know, if you're Muss, I think your thought process, you know, you've gone to war with this guy. And you know he's going to leave it all on the floor. He's willing and capable of making big plays and big moments that, that impact winning. Uh, it's weird, though, because he's also the veteran, the leader of this young team. That I think they need a little bit more stability and consistency from him. At the same time, that's not what makes Devo special. It's not what makes Devo Devo. So I think you have to live with some of the, you know, the good and the bad there and roll with the punches. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Wild game. though. I do these player grades after every game, and I think the first sentence I wrote on Devo is, I, I just I don't know how to grade this. Uh, because he made so many big plays, he finishes with a double-double, and there are so many head-scratchers. Oh. Whatever. And then, you know, Jordan Walsh is almost the opposite end of the spectrum, I think, right now. Uh, such an incredible talent and a gifted athlete. Uh, but, you know, whereas Devo kind of looked like a guy willing to try to make a play, maybe to a fault, Walsh seemed much more timid and unsure of what he needs to be doing out there right now. And, and listen, I've written about this within the past week, so I, I get it. I, I think everyone just kind of figures it out at their own pace. That's how it works with young players, and it's going to click for Walsh. It is. Uh, I do think that two things can be true here. You know, one, Jordan Walsh is eventually, eventually going to settle in and, and be a critical player for Arkansas. Uh, two, Arkansas probably needs it to happen sooner rather than later. You want to speed up that process somehow. So, you know, he gets the start last night, zero points, zero rebounds. 
um, look to the observant eye to be a guy who isn't playing with maybe as much confidence as, as you would hope or expect. Uh, I did like to see him take a couple threes there, but you know he, he had a couple tough plays. You know, he had one ball, just kind of you know a pass that ran out of his hands. He tried to make a play before he caught the pass. Um, you know, early in the second half, he gets back in there and, and has a, a bad foul kind of right away. Um, whatever, you know, Walsh's minutes, they have dropped in each of the last five games, but his, his production kind of has too. I think up until last night though, he was really getting a lot of ticks. So I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of folks who were upset that he, you know, he only played eight minutes last night saying maybe Muss has you know, too quick of a hook and, you know, he has to be able to play through mistakes and, and build confidence. Hey, I, I want, I want Jordan Walsh to be a big piece of this puzzle too. And I'm confident he's going to be, but you know, in defense of Eric Musselman here, you can't just leave a guy in there who's not ready to play when you're getting ready to lose a, a home game to freaking UNC Greensboro. Sorry about you. I mean, Musk's job is to win basketball games first, so I, I don't blame him for going in a, dif a different direction there. Um, I probably would have too. And, and so, uh, you know, I hope Walsh gets a little bit of swagger back because, like I said, man, he's so talented. And if he clicks with what everything you know, if, with everything else Arkansas has going, uh, boy, it really changes things for this team. Um, you know, I, I think that starts in practice getting that swagger back a little bit, and hopefully, he just you know, plays with more confidence and assertiveness on Saturday. We've seen it from him. At different times this year, you know, there's just it's kind of the peaks and valleys things, you know, with a freshman. Uh, but there's a balance there, you know. I, I do think he needs to take some pressure off of himself, maybe think a little less, play a little bit more free. I understand that's easier to do when you aren't worried about getting yanked if you make a mistake. But you also have to understand as a player that your playing time is correlated with how you play during your time. You'll be all right. It's a matter of time. I think maybe there's a little bit more of a sense of urgency now, though, uh, you know, with the situation with Brazil. I mean, I'd be ne negligent if I didn't didn't talk about Trevin Brazil's situation. You know, he had an awkward spill about midway through the first half last night uh, against Greensboro, immediately grabbing that right knee, had to be helped off the floor, you know, returned to the bench in his, in his warm-ups, his track suit a little bit later uh, for the second half. Obviously, he didn't re-enter the game. <sighs> and you hate to see that. You hate to see a guy go down. Uh, I was at Bud Walton, obviously, but you know, apparently the SEC Network crew said it was not expected to be a long-term deal, uh, which is promising. I think it was a good sign that he was back out there on the bench, but you know, must kind of, I don't know, pump the brakes on that a little bit. In his presser afterwards, he said, hey, there, you know, there's not going to be an update until he gets x-ray MRI, which I assume is happening today on, what is today, Wednesday? You know, most of you know I I, I was and, and am a certified athletic trainer. Without being able to talk to to Trevin or evaluate him myself, I you know just just seeing that play that you know the the worry that comes to your mind obviously is is the ACL right? That's the big one. Um, but you just never know in those situations. So um, hopefully it's not a severe deal. Hopefully the SEC network was right wherever they got their information from and, and testing confirms that. So we'll see, you know, fingers crossed for some positive news when those MRI results come back. Arkansas really, really needs Trevin Brazil. Uh, I do think, you know, even best case though, just given how gingerly he was moving around, uh, man, I'd be really surprised if we saw him on Saturday, even if we got good news or maybe even before SEC play. I mean, that's just speculation and, and observation there. We'll see. But, uh, you know, they were very cautious with how they handled Nick. And Nick's a special player, you know, a lottery pick. Trevor Brazil has an NBA future as well that, that'll have to be considered. So I imagine they'll be cautious and make sure that he's 100% and, and feeling right before they put him back out there. Um, hell, who knows? Maybe he woke up this morning feeling great. I don't know. But the sooner he's back, the better for Arkansas. Arkansas is back in the top 10 in the AP poll. Uh, despite last night, I, I do believe that this is the top 10 team at full strength. Obviously need TB to be healthy. Uh, still a lot to work on, like, like we've talked about. But I, I do think, like I said in the past, that this team has a higher uh, ceiling for improvement than maybe a lot of teams that are ranked around them or, or higher than them, which is, should be scary for the opponents. The SEC, man, it's looking formidable again. 
people were pissed to see Tennessee and, and Alabama, you know, jump Arkansas in the AP poll. I mean, it doesn't matter in the big picture, but, you know, we could argue resumes all day long, but all three of those teams are just really good. But I think Tennessee's seven, Bama's eight, Arkansas's nine. But then you look, you know, gone down the line, Auburn's at number 11. We'll see about that. I'm still not sure if I'm buying it, but that's where they're at. Kentucky at 16. Um, you know, they beat Michigan in that game in London, which was impressive. Mississippi State is undefeated. Uh, they're at number 23. They got a couple nice wins on the resume there. Uh, you know, Baylor's coming up on the schedule for Arkansas. They're at number 12. So really over the next few months, uh, you know, we'll be talking about the, you know, the postseason resume and quad one wins and opportunities. Uh, Arkansas is going to have plenty of those. Plenty. Speaking of quad one games, though, the net rankings, baby, they're back. Everyone's favorite thing to hate. I mean, we have more debate about the net rankings than anything else, <laughs> and I understand why. I mean, it's, it's a hard metric to wrap your mind around the formula. Sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't, right? Those came out Monday morning, and they update daily. And so the fluctuation, I think, is what drives people nuts. I like it. But, you know, Arkansas debuted at number 25 when those came out on Monday. You know, some people maybe weren't crazy about that. Uh, but, you know, they were 8-0 last season when these things came out, and they debuted at 44. So I think it's a pretty good place to be. Hell, it would have been even higher if Louisville wasn't, you know, arguably the worst team in college basketball. It's just wild seeing what's going on with those guys. You wouldn't think that you would go to Maui and, and take a ding on your resume for a team that you play there. Uh, man, they're really struggling. I, I hope they I hope they figure it out because – well, one, they need to win some games so they, they stop dragging people's resumes down. But two, um, I do think Kenny Payne is a good dude and a good coach that inherited a weird situation. Um, but, man, it's, it, it's tough sledding for those guys right now. Arkansas is actually up. They moved up from Monday to Tuesday to number 21 in the net, but they dropped down to 30 after that UNC Greensboro game. You know, style points do matter. Uh, you know, with the way the formula works, playing playing these types of games don't do anything for you in the net unless you win handily. You know, in the case of UNC Greensboro, I mean, it already negatively impacts your strength of schedule as a quad four game. And I know you have to, you you can only play who will play you. I understand every team has bye games, so I'm not I'm not criticizing there, but I'm just saying, you know, from a from a resume standpoint, it just doesn't do anything for you. It pulls down your strength of schedule. It's a quad four game. And then your efficiency rating gets dinged in the net even more because you played poorly and it, it's weighted because you were at home and it was against a bad team. Hence the nine spot drop in the net. But like we said, I mean, there's tons of opportunity on the horizon. They'll be fine. It, it's different from, from team to team. You know, you think about a mid-major, and it's really important for them to stack up that resume now because they get into their conference play. They're not going to have as many opportunities. It's the exact opposite for Arkansas. Uh, you know, you can afford to, to you know, kind of feel your way through some of these games against lesser opponents because, you know, once you get in the SEC play, uh, you know, those quad one, quad two games are going to be there, you know, consistently. Tennessee is the highest-ranked SEC team in the net right now. They're at number four. Mississippi State, again, man, they're, they're the surprise there at number five. Uh, well, I mean, they play great defense. I think they have two underrated underrated wins. They beat Marquette. They beat Utah. Those are nice wins, not top ten victories or anything. But, man, they're up there high. Bama at number seven. Listen, with Bama, I know people around Arkansas don't like Nate Oates, but I've got to give him credit for playing such a tough schedule every year. I mean, that keeps them up there, even if they lose a lot of games. Um, it's just kind of a different philosophy, but they really challenge themselves. I think they don't they play at Houston maybe this weekend or sometime this week. Auburn at 19. You know, Arkansas does have a chance to add to that resume this weekend, though, and I think it's a really important game. Oklahoma. They're top 50 right now in the net, which means, you know, this neutral site game in Tulsa, that's a quad one opportunity. Arkansas one and one in those games right now. Lost to Creighton, beat San Diego State. Big opportunity. 
on Saturday in the, the Crimson and Cardinal Classic, as they like to call it now. I don't know if I'm buying into that any more than I am the battle line rivalry. Why do we have to attach a name to something? Just let them play. Whatever. Arkansas-Oklahoma, you know, the, the game is a noon tip from the BOK Center there in Tulsa. I think it's ESPN2 for the TV. You know, I, I do feel like this is a really, really important game for Arkansas. You know, we've mentioned it before, uh, but this has kind of been that spot where the Hogs tend to hit their downswing the last couple years. For whatever reason, right around the holidays. We remember it last year. Oklahoma was their first loss. And it kind of, you know, trickled down from there. You know, the year before that, and the two years prior to that, it kind of coincided uh, with an injury. You think about Isaiah Joe, you think about Justin Smith. Uh, we'll see what the situation here is with is with Brazil. Hopefully they get him back real soon. We, you know, as of, as the time we're recording this, we don't know, uh, you know, what a diagnosis is yet. But you kind of have all those factors at play here. A little banged up, didn't play well last night. You'd really like to see the Razorbacks kind of respond and, and keep tracking in the right direction. And you know, Oklahoma is not ranked, but they are a projected tournament team right now. And also, you know, I, look, new year, new team, whatever. But this really is a revenge type of game for Arkansas. For anyone who watched that situation last year, Oklahoma punched the Hogs right in the mouth. 88-66, to 66, and Arkansas hadn't been playing great leading up to that game either, but uh, quite frankly, they got embarrassed in that one, and, and it started a bit of an unraveling. You know, Musk lost it in that game. He got tossed. Ronnie Brewer is holding him back from the ref, the same guy who tossed me out of a game when I, when I was coaching at Lindenwood, but it was a mess, man. You look at Oklahoma this year, Look, I'll just say it like they're not as talented as Arkansas. They're not nearly as athletic as Arkansas. But but what I can say about them, they're just so well coached under Porter Moser. I mean, it's a solid team that I think really maximizes everything that it's capable of. He gets the most out of his guys. They're having a pretty good season. I mean, they're seven and two coming into this one. Uh, lost their opener fifty-two to fifty-one to Sam Houston State, uh, which is not ideal, but. But as Andrew Ellis likes to say, Sam Houston State's a wagon, man. I mean, they're 7-1 and one on the season. Uh, they also won at Utah earlier in the year. So that's one of those mid-majors that's probably going to be in the tournament. And they'll be that trendy, you know, 12-5 over five or 13-4 over four upset pick. And it's a good team. But, you know, after that game, the Sooners won six straight from there. Um, they went to that ESPN events invitational over Thanksgiving while Arkansas was in Maui. Uh, you know, beat Nebraska, Seton Hall, and Ole Miss on, on three straight days. I mean, those aren't world beaters, but it's three high major programs that you beat on three consecutive days. Their other loss was last weekend at Villanova by four points. Villanova's not as good as, you know, they, they usually are, but that's a pretty good showing by the Sooners on the road. Beat UMKC by 20 last night. So an interesting team, you know, Oklahoma doesn't score a lot. They don't give up a ton either. I think a lot of that's because they play slow, very slow. I checked yesterday, they were 352 out of 363 teams in adjusted tempo. Arkansas is obviously, obviously top 40. They like to play fast. So that's going to be an interesting contrast to styles there. Uh, pretty efficient group. Top 50 in adjusted offensive efficiency. And effective field goal percentage. You know they shoot nearly thirty-eight percent from three. Arkansas has been really good defending three this year. Uh, you know, last night was maybe an aberration, a one-off. Hopefully, um, but they'll test Arkansas's defense in the half court. We'll see if the Hogs can turn them over, get back to business, and, and you know, and disrupting teams. They've really just dominated points off turnovers all season, uh, and that's been the difference in a lot of these games that they played. They didn't have that last night, and they struggled a little bit. So. Something to keep an eye on. Oklahoma kind of plays that solid, you know, pack line, man-to-man defense. They guard the three about as well as Arkansas does. They don't force a lot of turnovers. Um, so, you know, if Arkansas can avoid the self-inflicted wounds there, that would be great. But what Oklahoma does is they contest nearly every shot. They, you know, they hold teams to low field goal percentages, uh, keep them off the offensive glass. So, you know, they're, ju they're, just, they're, they're just solid. Nothing crazy, just solid. Some names to know, Tanner Groves, man, if you don't remember that name, good for you. He gave Arkansas fits last year. Big body, big beard, 
uh, strong and crafty player. I mean, it, it was his ability uh, to really repeatedly burn Arkansas as, as kind of a pick-and-pop three-point shooter really hurt the Hogs. You know, they used that drop coverage with Jalen Williams, and, uh, man, he, he was stroking it on Arkansas. And, you know, he's, he's a tough guy, tough assignment inside. He's got good touch around the rim. I think Arkansas is better equipped to defend that this year, uh, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. He's averaging about 11-7 and seven on the year. I think he had 16 in that game against Arkansas last season. That's Tanner Groves. Other returners, his brother, Jacob Groves, he's taken on a way larger role. He starts now. He played like 10 minutes per game last year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but he starts this year. He, you know, he's not as good as his brother. He's also a different kind of player. Uh, but he's playing well, you know, nearly 10 points per game. He's been a real weapon from three at his size. Uh, shooting over 40% from three. He's 6'9", uh, a little skinnier and more lean than his brother, but he's a nice player. Jalen Hill, really athletic, bouncy wing for them. He scored in double figures against Arkansas last year. I, I think the, the guy to really know, it, you know, probably their best player is a newcomer, Grant Sherfield, transfer point guard from Nevada. Uh, you know, he's a guy that really makes things go for Oklahoma, leads the team in scoring over 16 points per game. Uh, shooting nearly 50% from three, and, and it's at high volume, around five assists per game. You know, he, he doesn't really turn it over, so he's kind of the, you know, the straw that stirs the drink there for Oklahoma. It's going to be a really interesting matchup there for Arkansas. I'm anxious to see what they do with him. He's really good. He's 6'2", so he's not the biggest guard in the world. I, I think you'll see Muss. Well, you would like to see him throw, you know, maybe some size at him with Anthony Black to disrupt. But you had to have Anthony Black defending power forwards for times last night with, you know, with TB out. Uh, so I don't know how that impacts things for Arkansas. I, I, st I still think we'll see, you know, him on Sherfield for a while. I'm sure Devo is going to get some reps on him as well. I think a matchup Arkansas really could have taken advantage of in this game is Trevin Brazil. You know, I, I just don't see anyone on Oklahoma's roster uh, who can match his athleticism, his versatility. I just... I'd just be surprised if we see him for this one on Saturday. We'll see. And that kind of makes matchups interesting, you know, on the flip side. For a guy like Jordan Walsh, you know, if he starts at the power forward, and I anticipate he will, well, like I said, Oklahoma likes to play with two actual bigs. You know, both of the Groves bros are 6'9 are or taller, uh, and they've got some some bigger forwards that they bring off the bench. So, um, you know, how is Arkansas able to win that matchup? You know, is a guy like Walsh punished inside because he's a little undersized, or does he take advantage of the of it? Excuse me, of it on the other end uh, because they can't guard him, they can't defend him and keep him in front. And his athleticism, uh, you know, kind of takes control against some slower-footed guys. It's going to be interesting to watch. You know what that might mean is we see more of the uh, you know Makai and Kamani lineups at the four and five if if Trevin can't go. I wish that meant we would see more Makai and Jalen Graham, and maybe we will. Graham is, man, he's such a weird guy, <laughs> you know. Uh, he gets in there in some of these games, and he'll score 10 points for you in five minutes, and he's active, and he's all over the floor. Uh, you just really think he can provide a spark. And then, you know, you have games like last night against Greensboro. He gets in there for a couple minutes. Um, you know, he missed a layup and he had a turnover and, and just didn't, I don't know, it's almost like you can just tell within the first 30 seconds if he's got it or not on a given night. Um, you know, if Arkansas needs somebody to, to step in and, and provide some minutes, you know, for, for an injury here for a while, boy, he could be a guy that could really do it. it again, it just kind of comes down to consistency. At any rate, I mean, it should be a really fascinating matchup. I think it's going to be a fun game. The crowd was awesome last year on, on both sides. I'll be there again in person. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right. Let's get over to the chat. See what's going on in the comments here. Let me scroll back to the front. Dustin Hoofman says, when you play as many games as they play during a season, you don't win them all by 50 points, no matter the opponent. No, you don't. But when you play teams like that and, and you don't perform well, you get deemed for it. It's just the way it works. Cody L. James says, if we want to get Walsh more opportunities on offense, I think setting him up for pick and rolls is the way to get him in the flow. Uh, the dude's a slasher. Yeah, when he's assertive, you know, he that handles a little bit loose still. 
Uh, so when he's doing a lot of dancing and a lot of east to west, you know, that's when he gets into trouble. But I, I think if he comes hard off of a screen or he just rips and goes with a straight line drive, he can be really, really effective there. And we've seen that uh, from him at times. You know, when he just puts it on the deck and goes to the rim with power, uh, it looks really good. I think he's a guy that you could use, um, you know, on both ends of the pick and roll. It creates some matchup problems. You remember Arkansas used to do that with like Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones in in the pick and roll or pick and pop. It was kind of wild to watch. You could do that with a guy like Walsh where he could be the ball handler um, or he could set the screen. And you can roll him because he can he can finish above the rim and, and catch lobs or you can pop him out and he can catch from there, maybe get his feet set for a three or again, just kind of rip it and take it right to the rim, you know, as the defender is recovering. I wouldn't mind seeing some of that. I think it's a good idea. Michael Drag says, to your comment about A.B., why don't you feel he can take a game over and being in that 15 to 25 per game? Um, I don't I don't I don't know that I said that or that wasn't what I was intending to say. I mean, we've seen that he scored 26 in back to back games uh, in Maui. So we know he can do that. Um, but again, there's just so many shots to go around. Right. And, and so, you know, Nick is a gunner. He's a scoring-minded guy. Ricky Council is the same way. Uh, you know, if Anthony Black is taking 10 shots a game, uh, I think that's good because I think he's going to be efficient. I think that's going to get him in double-digit points-wise. Uh, and then he should be leading the team in assist. He's going to average over five rebounds per game at the point guard position. He's going to get a lot of steals, so he's impacting the game in so many other ways that I just don't think he's a guy that needs, you know, 15 shots a night or whatever to, to really have a positive impact on winning. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, of, of, of course he can take over a game offensively if he needs to. He's done it already against, you know, the best competition that Arkansas has faced. <clears throat> Let's see here. Uh, Michael also says, do you think Jordan Walsh is in over his head right now? He seems lost and very unsure of himself in his role. Um, yeah, man, I don't know about, I don't know about in over his head, but I, I do think he does look a little, a little bit lost and unsure. I, I think that's, that's fair. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting role for him. You know, he starts at that power forward spot, uh, but then he also plays a lot of three. So, you know, he's a guy that's got to learn a couple different positions there. Uh, but he is, I think, just trying to find his way. I, I do think whether it's fair or not or whether it should be there or not, he probably feels a little bit of pressure. You know, he's the third uh, five-star, the you know, the McDonald's All-American. He's in the mock drafts, and, and you're seeing – you know, Anthony Black thrive. You're seeing Nick Smith come back and, and kind of pick up right where he left off right away. Uh, you know, and it, it just it's just taking a little bit more time for Walsh. And so maybe he feels more pressure to deliver and, and he's thinking about it too much. Uh, you know, I don't know. And I also think, you know, Muss admittedly is probably trying to figure out exactly, you know, the best way to utilize him. Sometimes that happens with these versatile guys. You know, you have guys who can do a lot of different things. And you think, man, I can just throw them out there and, and they'll figure it out. We can we can do so many different things with this guy. But on the flip side, it's, well, how do we put him in the best position to succeed? And so, you know, like Musk said, hey, you know, we really want Walsh to let it fly from three. We want him to feel comfortable getting those shot attempts up. Okay. And, and so that's something for him to consider. But, you know, there's also the part of his game that really has always stood out uh, is just his raw athletic ability. And, you know, so how effective could he be as a basket cutter, an offensive rebounder, you know, a, a rim runner, a guy that gets out in transition and finishes? You know, somebody brought it to my attention last night uh, that through nine games, Jordan Walsh has one dunk. That is, I would not in a million years have guessed that that would be the case. It's crazy. I mean, He's so athletic. I mean, that, that's kind of what excited everybody about him, you know, when Arkansas signed him. I think he's just dunking on everybody. Uh, and we haven't seen that pop just yet. And some of it comes, you know, it, hey, man, college basketball, it's a different world. It's, it's not sweet in the paint, right? So you got to go up there and finish with authority and, and strength and power. Uh, but it is. it has been interesting that we've kind of seen a shift where it's, hey, we want him to get a bunch of three-point attempts up. Uh, and we haven't seen so much of that athletic pop. Uh, from him but it you know it's it's gonna come I think right now the, the best thing that Walsh could do in my opinion is get back to kind of where he was in the beginning of the season where he was just being an extremely disruptive uh, must calls him a violent defender 
where he's just wreaking havoc on that end of the floor. And then, man, if you get a set shot from three, take it. If you can get some garbage points around the rim, take them. But really put your focus and your energy on defense and let the rest come to you. I think that could get him some more confidence going. Let's see. Uh, Ricky, Ricky the fourth will settle in and reemerge as a go-to guy. I, I certainly think that he can, you know, and, and again, <clears throat> you know, the game against San Jose state, he finished with 17. He didn't take that many shots, but he was way more efficient, way more efficient. Um, you know, one of seven last night against Greensboro, you know, he had some shots for him out or whatever. I just think, uh, you know, whereas I said, I don't, I don't think Anthony Black needs to take, you know, a ton of shots to make a huge impact. Uh, you know, I, I think Ricky Council does need those shot attempts. That That's kind of the way he's wired is to be able to get the ball in his hands and, and create and make plays to go along with what he's able to do in transition. Uh, and I think that'll come. Let's see here. Looks like I lost my place a little bit. There we go. Stephen Brimley says, Devo does many things well, but his shot selection and decision-making sometimes are off. Yeah, it's true. He's a wild card. He's a wild card. It's interesting because the, at times it's it's like a game-to-game thing. You know, there's some games where, you know, you just don't, don't get too much from him. Uh, and there's some games where he is the X factor in a win. You kind of had the the best or, or worst of both worlds last night. He's kind of all over the place. There's never a dull moment, though, with, with Devo. I love how like intense he's been lately. I'm sure everybody's seen that photo at this point where, you know, he's, he's defending this guy and he's just like screaming at him. Like his veins are sticking out of his neck. He's yelling at the guy. That's the kind of intensity that you love to see. Maybe he could reel it in just a little bit, but you don't want to take, you know, what makes a guy special away from him. So like I said, it, man, it's just kind of like a weird give or take with him. Gil McGarity, my man, says, how you doing, Curtis? Congratulations on your marriage. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing good. Hope everything is well your way. Let's see. Stephen Brimley says, so many great players in one ball. Right. That That's just it. You got you to gotta figure out, you know, how to allocate those shots. And, you know, some of that's going to come within the flow of the game. Like against San Jose State, I think Arkansas is great about it. They weren't forcing the issue they kept the ball moving. They were sacrificing a, a good shot to make the extra pass for a great one. Uh, those are the things that you love to see, and, and sometimes it's easier to do when a team has no chance to defend you and when the shots are falling. Dustin Hoofman says, uh, deep bench will allow must to get a player in the game for someone who isn't having the best night. Nothing against the player, just about winning the game. Agreed. I think we saw that last night uh, You know, with Walsh. I'm sure the plans were to play him much more than eight minutes. And it's not, and it's not like he played awful. You know, he made a couple mistakes there. And again, he looked a little bit, um, I don't know, timid or or cautious out there, but he wasn't playing awful. They could have put him back out there, but I I think, you know, he just felt more comfortable with the combination you had on the floor. And Arkansas had to make some weird adjustments uh, when Brazil went out, because I'm sure he was a, a heavy part of the game plan in this one. So that's true. You know, if, if that's the thing about having a deep team. If one guy doesn't have it, you have somebody else to turn to. That's why I feel good about the front court for Arkansas. You know, Makai's been playing great, and he, he's starting to become a lot more consistent. But if he doesn't have it, well, you got a guy who looks just like him, you know, his brother that you can bring in. If he doesn't have it, you know Kamani's going to bring the energy. Jalen Graham can give you a spark. you got so many different options that you can turn to. So, uh, yeah, you know, on one hand, you, you want you want to have your core guys and – Obviously, you trust them and, and believe in them to get the job done. But when you got a bunch of hoopers like Arkansas does, you you can turn to that bench, give them a shot. George Homer says, "Curtis, do you think that Devo will ever get to appropriately aggressive?" No, I. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're three years into this by now. I think, uh, you know, Devo is who he is, and he's going to have his moments where he's just fantastic and he's a game changer. Uh, man, he's going to have those moments where you want to pull your hair out. And I, I think that's what you just got to, got to love and embrace about him. Listen, he's going to play a bunch of minutes for this team. Uh, what I will say is for the most part this year, he's done a really good job about limiting the turnovers. Man, he had some games where he had high, high turnovers last year. Uh, he's getting better about that. So, you know, if the decision-making can be questionable at times, that's any player, 
uh, you know, the shot selection. I'd, I'd love to see him shoot more mid-range and, and get to the rim and finish with that left hand, uh, especially while the threes aren't falling for him. I think he's 3 of 23 on the season. But um, I don't know what appropriately aggressive is for Devo. I mean, he's he's a million miles an hour at all times out there, and I, I think that's just the way it's going to be. Stephen Brimley says, even if Trevin's injury is not severe, he'll need to sit for a few games. You would think. Um, and again, I don't know. I mean, dude, he could have woke up this morning feeling great and and back out at practice this afternoon. I don't think that's the case. You're just based on, I mean, everybody saw it. I mean, it looks like at the very least uh, he's probably really, really sore this morning. So we'll see how that goes. It's just the sooner the better. I mean, he's such, he's such a talented player, such a unique player. And, uh, you know, you hate to see anybody get hurt. The sooner he's back out there, the better. Stephen Brimley despises the net rankings. I do, too. <laughs> it's just such a such a weird deal. It's hard to get a grasp on. Joey Moses says, Must is giving Devo too much rope. Anyone watching him play has got to admit he's hurting the team. Would you rather have Devo taking 15 shots or give those shots to Black and Council? Yeah, you know, I I think I'm I'm on the fence with that one. You know, is he giving him too much rope, or or has Devo earned that rope the last couple of years? Um, and we know that Muss is a guy who really relies on experience and and guys he can trust. And you know, Devo didn't play, I think, anywhere near as well as he wanted to his sophomore season last year. High expectations. He was fine, but he definitely didn't take the step forward that he wanted to. But at the NCAA tournament, what was my saying? I've been to war with this guy. Gone to battles with him. I know what to expect. I know what I can get from him. I trust him. That matters. And and so you're in this this weird, you know, grinded out kind of game uh, where you're just trying to find a way. Well, then you, you turn to the guys who, you know, who have done it for you in the past. And I think that's why we saw a lot more Devo, um, you know, and, and maybe less of some of the new guys in a game like last night. Where I will definitely agree with you, though, is, you know, that, that was a lot of shot attempts, especially if it's not falling. Hey, if he's on a heater, shoot 20 shots, you know, let that thing fly, man. But, yeah, I, I agree. You know, if, if, if you're shooting 20 percent or whatever from the field, maybe, you know, the extra pass is a better idea there. Um, and that's kind of, you know, another thing I was getting at where, uh, you know, I was talking about the dynamic to watch between Nick and Ricky is Nick needs to get all, you know, get his shots and he should, it shouldn't come at the expense of council getting his. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, the sacrifice there probably, uh, you know, shave a couple shots off from, from every other guy, maybe on the roster. And, you know, I, I think that probably includes Devo. That doesn't mean never take a shot, but. Yeah, it was maybe a little bit much last night. Stephen Brimley says, we've done well versus man-to-man D. We've had problems with zone D. Well, they were a little thrown off against Troy. I'll give you that. Um, but they, they really picked apart San Jose State's. And we saw it for a little bit last night with UNC Greensboro. I, I, I think that was a good switch. Honestly, I don't think I've given enough credit to UNC Greensboro's coach. Um, he had a really good game plan for Arkansas, and I thought when he went to that zone out of a timeout there in the second half, um, you know, it, it kind of threw Arkansas off for several possessions there. But then I think they did a nice job. At, you know, they kind of cracked the shell. Uh, Makai cut baseline, he got a dunk. Uh, and then Arkansas was able to kind of find their spots and, and get back to being aggressive. Sometimes when a team goes to a zone, as you adjust to it, you see a lot of holding the ball over your head, you know, passing around the perimeter, and, and it kind of puts you back on your heels. I think after Makai got that dunk, Arkansas got back to being aggressive and attacking. You can still drive it on the zone. They started doing that. They were getting to the free throw line. It looked better. But teams are going to continue to zone them until they, until they shoot them out of it. Joey says, it is, uh, it is early, I know, but does Smith know how to get in front of a guy dribbling uh, to the bucket? They went around him five or six times last night. Yeah, I kind of touched on that with, um, I think some of it's by design with, with Arkansas trying to influence, you know, a guy one way or take away one side of the court. Um, you know, they, they try to ice some screens from time to time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you just got to have better angles with that footwork. I mean, if you're completely opened up and there's a straight line path to the rim – 
Um, any college basketball player is going to go right by it and go to the rim. There's just nothing you can do to recover. So just some adjustments on the angles there will, will definitely help. Stephen Brimley says, this may be a game for a grand breakout. I, I'm telling you, if, if Trevin can't play, I like that look. I really do. You know, I think that I think that Graham could really give uh, Jacob Groves fits in the post with that spin move, his ability to score, uh, and and Graham maybe not the most physical guy in the world. You know, defending the the paint and the rim and things like that, but he's mobile. He can move, and I think he could guard that guy out on the perimeter. I I kind I kind of hope we see a little bit more of him. Gil McGarity says Wilson Contreras just signed with the Cardinals. That better be true. That better be true. If it is, it just made my day, and you broke the news to me live. Let's go. Man, if I find out that's a lie, I'm going to be really upset. You would do that to me because I know you, and, and I, you, you understand the, the Cubs versus Cardinals dynamic between me and, and you and Huck. So it's the first thing I'm going to check when I get off here. George Elmer says, Curtis, you got to convince Trey that sending you to Maui was worth it. Uh, those after game press conferences were awful, dude. They were so bad. I mean, we got absolutely nothing from that. It kind of hurt our content. Um, <laughs> you know, there's like two questions and one of them is, well, how's your experience in Maui been? Well, it's great. It's Hawaii. What do you think? So <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't great, but honestly, man, I was down with the flu and, uh, it was kind of coming on before Maui even started. So I would have been really upset if I would have been there and been sick at the same time. But I'll be in Tulsa for this game. I'll be in North Little Rock. I'm going to get to some of these SEC games this year, the ones that are a little bit closer that make sense um, in terms of travel. And then, you know, NCAA tournament. We'll see how far they go. Let's see. We'll get to a couple more here. A bunch of comments today. This is awesome. Uh, George Ulmer says, I saw a couple times last night Nick turning the ball over, just dribbling it away. Do you think he's still knocking off some rust? Yeah, I noticed that a couple times. One, it just looked like it like hit a weird spot on the floor or something. He had to, to try to dive on it and lost it there. Yeah, it's probably shaking off a little rust. Z Beeler says, my man Curtis, a little late today, but still watching. Good. Appreciate you. Appreciate you tuning in. Stephen Brimsley says, this season's making me miss coaching basketball. Me too. Me too. There's so many possibilities with this team. It's hard. If, if, hell, even as just a fan, you, know, you, you like to just sit around and think about all the things you would like to do or like to see. And if you coached the game before, you, you see all these adjustments that you, you know, what if he tries this? What if he tries that? What about this lineup combination? You heard me up here. Well, they should start switching screens. As if I'm telling Eric Musselman what to do, I'm not. He's a great coach too. And the cool thing about Muss is, you know, every press conference that you have with him is like a learning experience. Because if you ask him the right questions, he'll get into the nuances with you. I feel like I learn something every time we talk to him. Let's see. A couple more here. MP Rich says, Devo had a double-double. Come on, stop whining about Devo. Did you watch the game though? I said he had a double-double, but his double-double and Makai Mitchell's double-double were two very different double-doubles. We'll say that. Um, okay. I think that about wraps it up. All right, cool. Man, went for about an hour today. That was fun. That was a good show today. We had a lot to talk about. Um, you know, maybe this was good for Arkansas. Get a little bit of a scare, a little bit of a wake-up call. You survive it, um, kind of refocus a little bit. You know, one thing that was interesting, uh, you know, Musk said in the lead-up to that game that they, you know, Arkansas kind of had some of the shortest practices they've had since he's been coaching here. Uh, just because he felt like they were connected, uh, you know, felt like they were, you know, bought in, locked in. Uh, then you have a game like this, and it was funny, you know, because somebody mentioned in the presser, you know, about these short practices. And the first thing Nick Smith said was, oh, it ain't going to be a short practice tomorrow. And he was talking about two-hour film sessions and, and long practices. So I, I wonder if they're going to get back after it uh, a little bit. But I think they're going to be refocused. This, this group has a good mindset. 
they really do. It's not a selfish team. And I, I think they've kind of got their eyes on the prize here. So I would expect that we'll see a, a lot better product on Saturday. And that's going to be a fun one. You know, again, Saturday, 12 o'clock Central Time, BOK Center in Tulsa, Arkansas versus Oklahoma. A little bit of a grudge match for the Razorbacks. Should be a lot of fun. Like I said, I'll be there. Uh, so we'll have a live reaction video that goes up on our YouTube page uh, in the aftermath of that. If you go back and listen to the one I did from there last year, uh, it was not a happy conversation. So hopefully uh, I got a big smile on and, and we're talking about a Razorback win after this one on Saturday. But at any rate, as always, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, man, just a ton of comments and, and engagement in here today. That's awesome. I love that. Continue to do it, please. Uh, it makes the show better. But uh, like I said, We'll be with you from Tulsa on Saturday, and we'll probably have a show sometime, you know, a studio show like this sometime in the midweek next week uh, to get you all primed up for this game in North Little Rock. This has been Curtis Wilkerson with Hogsports.com. Thank you guys, and we will talk to you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.